live from the courtroom of the Honorable Judge Chamberlain Holland. This is Austin Danger Podcast, the only randomly curated Austin Powers-themed podcast on this here internet. Uh, every week, Kev, it's me, and Mackenzie, that's her. Hello. We spin a giant wheel, and we land on one of over 400 movies linked in some way to the Austin Powers franchise, even though the list is pretty random. We've been carving ourselves an accidental niche since around the beginning of June. Would you agree? I would agree, yeah. Right? With the exception of Elvis... Every movie we've covered since White Chicks has been a studio comedy made between the mid-80s and or the early 2000s. And our run continues this week with the legendary My Cousin Vinny. <laughs> Big week. Big week. Huge week, one might say. I like how you said we're the only randomly, gener- like randomly generated Austin Powers podcast. Because can you imagine if there was a second one? <laughs> can you imagine if we had competition? They would be bogged down in Michael York stuff. I have <laughs> They to would be, be like, we're going in order, actually. <laughs> and we're going to watch every Michael York film from 1952 on. <laughs> Couldn't be us. We're going to watch Chairman of the Board, okay? Nightmarish formats both. <laughs> no escape. <laughs> all right. So that's all at the bottom of the hour. So exciting. Uh, and hey, spot the lie. If there's a second Austin Powers podcast that's randomly curated, I would I would love to know. Let us in. Uh, but first, Mackenzie, I know you've been really busy this week. Have yeah. you seen a film? I honestly have barely seen a film because yes. I was again at my in-laws. Um, and I feel like the, the only film I watched I have controversial opinions about because uh, I watched Top Gun for some reason. Oh, no, no, no. I gave Best it two left stars. Unsaid. Best <laughs> left unsaid. I thought it was so boring. I thought it was just like, I literally like, the even the parts that were supposed to be exciting, like the plane flying, were incomprehensible to me. I was like, are they practicing? Are they fighting people? What the fuck is happening? That's fair. And then every time they were not in a plane was just so boring. And I remember at one point I paused to go to the bathroom during the weird... Um, sort of total eclipse of the heart music video set sex scene with the windows and the curtains and the blue lighting. <laughs> and there was an hour had passed and I went, nothing has fucking happened in this movie. <laughs> He's just hit on his teacher. And that's the only thing that's happened in this movie. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Val Kilmer being really gay for like 15 minutes total can't save a film for me. Um Fair so enough. that's kind of what I watched this week was I, I put wow. on Top Gun. Now I can watch Maverick, though. I genuinely really like wanted to see it so I'd have some context for Maverick. Um, yeah, so I'm glad here's, I Here's what it, I'll I say. I already... Okay, look. Full disclosure, we have a lot of friends who really love Top Gun. Oh, yeah. I know and, I'm being the worst person alive oh, right now. No, no. Here's... We'll get, we'll get there. Now, I love Top Gun, but I understand exactly what you're saying, and you have to buy into a bunch of insane <laughs> bullshit around it. Like, I get it. Um, I've heard chasing him down after having three conversations with him and being like, I don't want them to know that I'm falling for you. And I'm like, have you had a conversation outside of him walking up to you at a bar and singing karaoke and then following you into a woman's restroom and going, yeah, can I fuck you on the table right now? Would that be kosher? Excuse me, ma'am. I need Charlie. Is that her name? I need her to have some standards. Queen, please. Yeah. Queen, please. I'm begging you. I'm assuming she is not returning in the sequel. Probably. No, no. 
But but I, I just I did want to say like I am not influenced by anybody on loving Top Gun. I think it's <laughs> it's great, even though it's totally completely weird in those ways, uh, for sure. <laughs> Maverick improves everything, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, think it's great. I'm sure Maverick will have just the merit of being a newer film that will, you know what I mean? Like, and I think it probably about where the director and Tom Cruise and like all of them were and their specific skills at this time, I know have grown exponentially between 1986 and 2022. And so I'm sure that there's just going to be the, the literal artistic skills were improved across the board. So yeah, I'll watch Maverick now that I've seen Top Gun, uh, Stay tuned, everybody. Hold your breath. Yeah, I hope you like it. I think it's it's a really great movie. It's like indicative of this year in a lot of ways in terms of like uh, it's about Tom Cruise's status. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I want to say because it's text. It's there on the screen. <laughs> it's well, actually hey, pretty funny. I uh, loved Jerry Maguire, so I'm not you know you know I'm just I that's my that's my Tom movie I know, suppose. I, I listened to the uh, Mission Impossible fan podcast. I think it's called Light the Fuse. They had their mm. 200th episode, and they had Christopher McQuarrie on, who's, who's the big director for MI. And then Whoa. he had them, he hosted a Zoom with those guys, and then brought in like the cast of Top Gun Maverick and like Whoa. all these other people. And then at the end, he goes, Oh, hang on a second. You know, wouldn't it be crazy if I got Tom Cruise and Tom came on? And uh, now, look. That's crazy. If we ever have Mike Myers on this show, <laughs> right? I made this I would joke earlier. Shit my pants. I made this joke earlier. But if we had Mike Myers on this show ever, which I I cannot imagine, but would love, two thousand two to two thousand eight, what are those years? Didn't happen, right? No negativity. That's no, what I'm not saying. Not at all. Yeah. Oh yeah. We would. If Mike Myers hopped on this on this call right now, I would just be in awe and tell him how much I love everything he's done for comedy and the the words the love guru would not escape my lips i would cry on that call not about <laughs> I, if, if if mike myers ever came on i would just be like you invented my sense of humor and you seem like one of the nicest guys to ever live uh also talk to our friend ian he loves wayne's world um <laughs> that's true well the my, my point is that you know tom cruise came on that call and they didn't say anything incisive <laughs> that's I mean, they said we, thank Tom you Cruise for hops on and they go, how's Mimi Rogers? <laughs> yeah, like? right. Like, I don't know what people I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, it was nice. It was fun. And Tom spoke in that way that Tom speaks that just I don't know. It's very odd Uber and very passion. strange. It, it's hypnotizing and odd. His 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 energy is it's horrifying, but also you're correct hypnotizing. Like he is he balances uh, being very scary and also insanely magnetic at the same time in a way I don't understand. That's why you know Jerry Maguire. There's no mask. Yeah, that's him. Well, so I watched Top Gun. I'm gonna keep you know it's it's still my Tom v Tom journey. I'm gonna keep keep on keeping on. I'm trying to catch up, Tom. Cruise that I have watched an equal amount of films as I weight my averages for the two men. But what did you watch this week? I assume you watched more than me because I watched literally nothing. I always do because I'm a machine and this is <laughs> my life. This is this is the lot in life. Well, I love it. Well, you know, I love you. We we all love the Letterbox show and the weekend watch list. And Indeed. months ago, I did their watch list shuffle game and I came up with Hal Ashby's being there. A movie that I have been watching over the last eight weeks in painful 20-minute increments. Uh, I cannot finish it for the life of me. I understand what happens in it now. I see it coming. It is excruciating. 
I mean, Peter Sellers is wonderful. He's always wonderful. Big Peter mm-hmm. Sellers fan. But I just can't get through this movie. It's just mm. so odd. Uh, and now I own it forever. So I'll always on my shelf have the reminder that that I'm just bored to tears during this movie that by any other account, you know, I love Ace in the Hole. I love Face in the Crowd. Like this this kind of satire, although those are a bit louder about it. This is a very quiet, very subtle film. Mm. Uh, but that kind of satire is my thing. Um, I don't understand it. Very weird. That's wild. I mean, I don't know anything about the movie. I've obviously seen the art of it, but wow, 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 wow. Yeah, very weird. And it's not because the movie is bad also is the is the interesting part. Uh, I, I enjoy the movie, but I just can't fuck with it. Like, maybe yeah, I should right. just see it. You know, it's one of those movies that's screened a lot in art houses. Maybe I should just go and sit through <laughs> it and see how it turns out. You would go see it in a movie theater? Like oh, a yeah. controlled area where you have to watch it all at the same time? I gotta know. I gotta know. <laughs> I, I have to know. Or I fall asleep. You know, life's like that. Um, So that's that. I also watched one of the greatest movies I've ever seen in my life. Uh, a movie that we will cover soon enough on this show. Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. Um, Talk about this. I just I love this journey for you. I need to know. Yeah, our buddy Silly Oswald screened this in the Doompod Discord last night because of Nichelle Nichols's death, um, hmm. and it was wonderful. This movie is crazy. Um, last week I talked about something that it's more of a genre than a mantra, which is you're in a fucking movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and and Star Trek Two is full of that in all yeah. sorts of wonderful ways. Um, yeah, just mind blowing. I also really loved Midnight Run, which is on the Criterion channel this month because of a Yafet Kodo showcase. Ooh. It's a odd couple kind of road trip movie, kind of planes, trains, and automobiles, but laundering mob money. <laughs> Love it. Uh, it's uh, Bob De Niro doing comedy for the first time and Charles Grodin as the kind of odd couple pairing. Love Bobby. Got that young Joey Pants who always had it from the jump, who's great. My king. It's a super fun time. I love that. I want to check that out. You sent me a picture of Joy Pans and Robert De Niro, and I went, excuse me? (laughs) Uh, And need that pushed right into my eyeballs, so I should check that out. It's great. It's great. And it's leaving the Criterion at the end of the month. So, folks. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, But, yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, just regular week watching some movies. Some of them great. Some of them apparently not as great as as I thought. (laughs) Oh, let me open up this this paper and check out the news. Whoop it news. What does it all mean, Basil? Okay, a uh, couple of big Austin news stories. Everyone what? remember that perception of these things are relative, right? <laughs> uh, we should be so lucky to ever get a piece of Austin news. <laughs> uh, first, New York. The Big Apple. There was a Craigslist ad posted here in town. Oh my god, you sent me this week. It's the, gotta be a joke. They're trying to go viral, probably. The headline, look, this is Austin Danger Podcast. We have to do this. We have to. Obviously. We have to read I wonder it. if this person's gone viral like they clearly want to, though. I think this person is trying to make Austin Powers into a Shrek thing. And I think that it's um, hmm. a decent try if it gets us money. Uh, if mean, you think that it's going to be Shrek, send us a send us something. Send us something. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of 
viral Austin Powers tweets lately. Like, it's been weirdly coming up a lot on Twitter. Like, the kids might be making it into Shrek. I don't know. Look, Does anyone look, know anyone under 20? What's happening with them? What's going to be vital in the next couple months is that you, the listener, pay us thousands of dollars. Um, and that's all that matters. <laughs> all right. So the actual story is on Craigslist the other day, uh, a post went up under the Talent Gigs page here in New York for Army of Austin Powers is the headline. We love it. It reads, hello, I am an attractive female in her early 20s, which, by the way, is the red flag that this is fake. Yeah, um, absolutely. But anyway, no one is no uh, actually attractive female in her 20s is self-proclaiming that on Craigslist. Yeah, exactly. Hello, I'm an attractive female in her early 20s. I've had this dream since I was a little girl that I would walk into a room and there would be hundreds of Austin Power, singular, impersonators all saying something like Shaggy Baby all at the same time as I walked in, like in his accent and everything. Shaggy Baby. That's a fake fan right there. That's a fake Austin Powers fan. When has he ever said Shaggy Baby? It's also my birthday soon and a lot of shit's been going on at home. Plus, I feel like I tweaked my back last week. So I'm afraid <laughs> this is the part. This so is the trying part to really add bad. like realism to it. Yeah. So I'm afraid this needs to happen soon or something terribly bad might happen to me. Um, that's so bad. I, it's, I don't make any sense. I'm losing my mind. Anyways, any gentlemen out there that would help me? No need to talk about pay. <laughs> I'm honestly open to you guys all saying something different, too. But you, yeah, you would just need to dress like him and do the accent. Also, it doesn't have to be hundreds. I think we can get away with like 50. Oh, my God. Imagine getting COVID at the Austin Powers birthday party. <laughs> Everyone there gets monkeypox. Shaggy baby, yeah. Shaggy baby, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a weak troll, but it's Austin news, so. There we uh, go. What do That's we have to the say? Austin news, baby. Here's another piece of Austin news. Michael York is, is, was interviewed. Speak of the devil. Speak of the devil was interviewed. Why are you laughing <laughs> so hard? Was it about his house that was for sale? <laughs> Speak of okay? the devil. Who has been talking about? Oh, because you I brought him up earlier. earlier. You brought because, him up earlier. Because I knew we were going to talk about him. Ah, look uh, at Michael you York. setting those planting those seeds (laughs) michael york was interviewed for med city beat about his his life in rochester and his struggles with amyloidosis and of course the austin powers franchise which introduced him to a new generation of viewers um and i will certainly never regret doing it because it started out with a great script if you film that, you would be on your way. But what Mike Myers encouraged was improvisation. If you came up with a better line, we would often go with it, which is, of course, a great source of pleasure when you contribute something creative to the film. But who knew? That's the whole mystery of movie making. I have been in great studio productions that don't work or only work at a certain level. And then I've been in little films like Austin Powers that really explode with creativity and success. Aww. Michael. That's a great quote. It's a great quote. He's planning on holding screenings in Rochester, which is great. Uh, and he's trying to raise awareness for amyloidosis. Look at it go. And now you know all about it. Ugh, love him. Michael, love him. Michael, we love you, bud. We love you. 
but that is all of the Austin news that I had outside of like, again, there's this weird bubbling undercurrent lately on socials about Austin. It scares really the weird. hell out of me. Scary. Some, something is coming. Something is happening. Yeah. Not at HBO. Although, you know, you listeners will know more than us right now about what's going on over there. Oh, uh, yeah. We're only on August 3rd. So who knows what's going to happen to HBO Max in the that's next right. five days? Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. In the meantime. Oh, Elvis News. Uh, tomorrow you can buy it uh, digitally. If you do that, great. If you don't, I'm sure it'll be in 4K soon, and it'll be on HBO Max. Um, it'll be a, okay. It'll be on HBO Max soon enough, or Discovery Plus soon enough. Who knows? Oh, who knows? Not Blech. us. Anyway, it's time for the main event. Oh, we're here, baby. Well, Kev, you were the wheel spinner. I almost said roll again. The wheel spinner this last week, so that means you are the one who landed on my cousin Vinny. Yeah, really like eerie almost like can't respect it. Good <laughs> luck spins thematically all summer. Yes. Which it's a which big summer. You know, I'm going to ruin it tonight. I <laughs> I bet money I'm going to ruin it tonight. You know, I was thinking about it, you know, outside of some things that we have not yet announced. Um we we really can't curate the show at all. You know, our, our buddies <laughs> no. at 70 millimeter do theme months all the time. Movie mixtape, of course, that's their whole thing as well. But we can't really do that forward. We have to theme it backwards. How Just weird is that? Like, I oh, love it. <laughs> oh, this is the eight weeks we did 90s comedies because that's just how it turned out. <laughs> oh, it keeps but, me on my toes and it gets me excited every week. It's like, I get, again, it's like Christmas every week. I get a little present of finding out what movie I get to watch and talk about with my friend it's that's great. true that's true and sometimes it's a gift like tonight and other times it's chairman of the board <laughs> but because i spun and landed on my cousin Vinny, it's my turn to read the synopsis so shall i please proceed Turning about to take a southern journey into places that he'd never been. She was a brunette out of Brooklyn, fast talking and good looking with a body that was made for sin. And she wanted him for marriage cause the torch that she carried was harder than the fires of hell. But he said he didn't need her still. She followed him down deep into the buckle of the Bible bed. Bill Gambini is in trouble. After a mix-up involving the murder of a gas station clerk and an accidentally stolen can of tuna, he has been accused of first-degree murder and his friend Stan, an accessory. Stranded in Alabama on his way to UCLA, the boys call Bill's cousin Vinny, a personal injury lawyer with no trial experience, who soon arrives with his fiancée, Mona Lisa Vito, in tow. The preliminary hearings are a disaster. Vinny's not even dressed properly for court, butts heads with the judge, and finds himself in contempt of court almost every session. Stan even fires him, going with a stuttering public defender instead. But once the case goes to trial, Vinny begins to use his argumentative nature and newfound knowledge of the Deep South to his advantage, winning Stan and the jury over. Despite the best attempts of the prosecution, a legendary deposition from Mona Lisa, an automotive expert, gets the boys dismissed of all charges. There's also a subplot where the judge is trying to figure out the real identity of my cousin Vinny. Ooh, 
that's a great way to end Not that. Bad. I love it. Not bad. Oh, snap, 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 snaps. Kev, what is your history with My Cousin Vinny? So I am from Long Island, but somehow avoided <laughs> this movie my whole life. Really? I didn't see it until college. No. I mean, I had seen, you know, the tire scene in public speaking class in high school, an infamous mm. class that I, you know, um, anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'd seen that scene in, in public speaking class, but I'd never seen the whole movie until like college. And it held up then. And does it hold up now? Hmm, who could say? Um, but yeah, no, I had only seen it that one time. It's one I of those that. where it sits in your mind and you feel like you've seen it a hundred times, even if you've only seen it once or twice. Oh, absolutely. Mackenzie, what is your history with my cousin Vinny? My history is I watched it for the first time, like literally two months ago. That's right. That's <laughs> and I right. don't even remember why I put it on other than like, I've, I've heard the name a million times. Um, I feel like I knew that Marissa Tomei won the Academy Award for it and right. like a controversial win, but they, I think at the time, but I think one that people look back with at with like happiness now because she's amazing and she's incredible in this film. Uh, so I had like known those things and I, I put it on two months ago just because it was on HBO Max again, question mark rip. We don't know. Uh, and <laughs> it was so funny because I, I could not i was like this is the plot of this movie like right. never in a million years based on the name could i have figured out the plot is about like these these like italians being profiled in the south or something uh and accused of murder and like it, it was it was definitely a film that like took me by surprise a couple months ago but um that i still found pretty delightful so, so it's second watch within a couple months of each other really yeah I just, it's interesting. It's one of those that evaded both of us. Yeah. Which is weird because I'm from Long Island, half Italian at that. And I'm a Southerner. Yeah. Very weird. Uh, like truly. Uh, so yeah, I'm not an Alabama Southerner. I'm more well, of a, yeah. you know, I feel like Memphis is very specific, but uh, this is still very, a lot of this is very familiar to me. So I was like, uh, and I think that's why my, as I mentioned last week, my fiance's parents love this movie because they're Southern lawyers. And so uh, they, they adore this film. They say it's one of their favorite law films and most accurate law films in terms of how the trial is actually formatted, which I think is really uh, interesting that it is such a true to actual trial uh, film, which is so fun. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fun one. But yeah, I don't know how we both did not see this movie. I think growing up, I thought it and Weekend at Bernie's was the same movie. Oh my And I God. think it's because of Bernie and Vinny just were the same <laughs> in my brain. So never seen Weekend at Bernie's. Maybe I should watch that. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> there, are, there is one gag in Weekend at Bernie's that is incredible, which is the guy and the, you know, the love interest are on the beach at night and Bernie watches up on the shore. Oh my god! <laughs> so, I want to say something just to see your face. Should I start with the things I don't like? You want to get it out of the way? I want to knock it out because there's two things I don't like, and I want to knock them out of the park. I think I can guess one of them, but go ahead. Okay. First thing I don't like: the pacing in the first half of the movie slogs a bit for me. Sure. And uh. It just, I don't know, because it's like, when you get to that trial, it is popping off. The trial is so amazing. But the first part, like, just kind of drags a bit for me. And there's parts that, like, don't even matter. And something that has eats away at me 
is so they do this great honestly a wonderful example of the classic bit of we're talking about two different things uh, but we don't know the other one with the cop and bill is that his name right yeah the ralph macchio yes we can great, call him ralph like, macchio he's talking about the tuna he's talking about the murder and they think they're talking about the same thing but they're not and then they do it again with this like stupid prison rape joke that yes thank so, you <laughs> that is so annoying and uh, i mean it was you know, I know it was more common than we now, as a society, know. Maybe those are pretty tasteless jokes. But what a concept! If it's going to be in this movie, they do this same bit, like we're talking about two different things, and they only do it twice. Not even a rule of three. Why is it in there? Oh uh, so, my god, that is uh, that irritating. Is, I think I think that should show that because I'm so picky about the thing I don't like. It's so nitpicky. That's how good the movie is. But so I hate that, and also I think. Joe Pesci's a little miscast. And it's not the character. It's his, he is 59, 60 years old. Marissa Tomei is 20 fucking eight in this movie. I was thinking about it the whole movie. He is her dad, (laughs) basically. And just the way they talk about Vinny being kind of a goofy fuck up, like this feels like it should be a Joe Pesci in his thirties role. Right. Like, like, you know, a guy that just got out of law school Failed the bar about five times. That's probably like a 30, early 30s, mid 30s. Like, I just feel like I needed Joe Pesci to be 30 years younger to fit this role. And uh, he's not. And and I love him so much. Here's the thing. He's so good. Nobody else can really play him. I just think he's a little too old for the role. And that that kind of it feels weird to me sometimes is that he's a little too old for it, I think. I have I have two counters. And those to are that. my two things. Those are my two things. But then yes, continue. I have two counters to that. Number one, oh, go, 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 go. Joe Pesci is the kind of star who that doesn't matter because, <laughs> but he like we talk often about and we touched on it big last week on Jerry Maguire. Like <laughs> stars that don't exist anymore because they have this raw charisma power that is beyond the movie they're in. Yes. Where even if he's not, you know in his late twenties or like early thirties, like you may read him as like you get there enough because he's so good. Yes. He doesn't doesn't ruin the movie in any way. Absolutely not. Um, Does I agree with you about the age gap? I get it. (laughs) Um, But also like my other thing is, could it have been anyone else? No, no. (laughs) That's the thing is it's like, again, neither one of these are movie ruining, but if I had to say like things I didn't like about this film, it would just be that the pacing's a little weird, and then Joe Pesci is a little too old for me. But again, like once the movie gets into the trial, it's fireworks. And Joe Pesci is so funny and great, and he is the only person that could fit the role well. So like, who the who else would it be? Like both they're both issues that have no fix, but I don't care. But I figured, why not? I'll just say them. Yeah. I'll say them to say I did. <laughs> there you go. And now we can just praise the movie for the next. <laughs> 30 minutes yeah you know my uh my first big thing is i know that you'd said that the movie like the first half is really slow and i agree but there are elements of it i i wish that it had more of this where coming back to it for the first time in like 10 years and Mm -hmm. seeing the movie for a second time picking up on oh this extra long conversation about grits he's storing this knowledge yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah. Uh, talking to Mona Lisa about the cars and the tires and the way that the car comes up on, like, that stuff is great. I wish we had so much more of that that you'd be like, enough already. 
like if if this were released today, which it never would, because again, it would be a YouTube series that someone does in their backyard, or like, or like a streaming nightmare that gets lost. But you'd have much more of that, or, or none of it at all. Yeah, it's it's weird because you you've pointed this out correctly that I'm like sometimes the pacing gets to me in the beginning, but also it is necessary. Like it's all necessary stuff because the script is so tight. Especially by the time we get to that last twenty minutes, like everything was needed. Uh, so maybe I'm maybe I think I think that uh, I just I'm like I just need Vinny and Mona Lisa. I don't even need the boys. They cool. They did a thing. Just give me give me these two powerhouses together. Yeah, uh, we got more of the boys than you think. That's one of those things that gets lost in kind of the tire scene of it all. The two yeah. youths of it all is like the youths. We get a lot of the boys. We get a lot of the Jerry Callow, which d- ends up not even mattering. So, like, I understand you need it for the tension of it. Yeah. But. Yeah, the boys, the thing is, it's like, I feel like they have, lo- like, a lot of random scenes that, like, don't necessarily, like, let me into them as characters. So I'm like, why am I here? <laughs> right. Like, you're, you're, like they, don't, they don't necessarily deepen their characters at all. Like, I honestly, like, I'm only come having this thought now. Obviously, like, I want them to get off because I, as an audience, see in the beginning, which I think is great. They don't let, there's not really any ambiguity. Like, we know they didn't do it. So we get to just sit here and believe them the whole time, you know, whereas other movies might be like, did they do it? And I'm glad they, that this movie did not. Um, so we like we want them to get off because we know they're innocent, but I don't really have, like, an emotional attachment to these kids. You know what I mean? Like, you don't really know anything about them except for Stan's kind of a douchebag. Yeah. He's really annoying and whiny, and Ralph Macchio is just kind of cool and uh, chill, and you don't really get to know them at all, so you don't really have that sort of, like emotional want for them to be free uh right i feel like in this movie which isn't a bad thing i think that that so it's like if those scenes did not do that then why are they there no that's exactly right that's really well said because you end up caring more about Vinny's win than about them going free is the thing oh yeah like when i'm cheering in the end it's because i'm happy for Vinny and mona lisa i don't really care about the kids weird Speaking of any Lisa, I feel like we just we got to talk about them. They're yeah. they're really this movie. <laughs> That's the other thing is like even though there is the age difference, the chemistry is like amazing. Oh, oh, sizzling. Yeah. Them when they're staring at each other on the bed and she's talking about the torque wrenches. I have never seen thicker sexual tension that could be cut with a knife between two people on screen. That's crazy. The Randy round table was vaporized at that moment. <laughs> I was also vaporized by Marissa Tomei <laughs> for this entire movie. She is so freaking gorgeous and so funny and so sexy and so smart in this movie. Uh, I was today thinking Mona Lisa Vito might be one of my favorite movie characters, period. Like, oh, yeah. I love her. It's a total home run in every way. It's a perfectly written role. It's exactly what it needs to be. It needs the right person doing it the right way. Bing, bang, boom. It's perfect. It's perfect. perfect. I love how she's so smart. She's so endlessly quotable. I mean, I, I feel like she has all the quotes I hear all the time. The defense, the defense is, is wrong. wrong. Are you sure? I'm positive. How could you be so sure? 
because there is no way that these tire marks were made by a 64 Buick Skylark. These marks were made by a 1963 Pontiac Tempest. Objection, Your Honor. Can we clarify to the court whether the witness is stating opinion or fact? This is your opinion? It's a fact. I find it hard to believe that this kind of information could be ascertained simply by looking at a picture. Would you like me to explain? I would love to hear this. So would I. The car that made these two equal length tire marks had positive traction. Can't make those marks without positive traction, which was not available on the 64 Buick Skylark. What are you, a fucking world traveler? <laughs> that one was my favorite today. But then, of course, you know, my biological, biological clock, clock is ticking like this. And the way this case is going, I ain't never getting married. <laughs> it's the she's best. Just, she's so good. It's stupid. It's, 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 I can't, be, I cannot believe it. Another great Mona Lisa Vito is the, the deer monologue. Imagine you're a deer. You're prancing along. You get thirsty. You spot a little brook. Put your little dear lips down to the cool, clear water. Bam! A fucking bullet rips off part of your head. Your brains are laying on the ground in little bloody pieces. Now I ask you, would you give a fuck what kind of pants a son of a bitch who shot you was wearing? <laughs> it's just, she's, I can't even believe it. She's the hottest woman ever, and she's so cute and so smart, and I'm in, I'm in love with her. Mona Lisa Vito is the love of my life. What more could I add to that? <laughs> Nothing. The Chevrolet, which no one would confuse with a Buick Skylark. So good. I love your Mona Lisa. This is my life. Add it to a, to the Kev's impressions. This is my impressions. art. This is my art. <laughs> <laughs> Man, and when Vinny takes that like 180 turn, God, it's so fun to watch. It is so fun to watch when he stops being a fuck up and is just like annihilating the courtroom. Yeah, we start to see what got him through whatever shady law school. (laughs) (laughs) The family paid for it, probably. Right, right, exactly. Um, And it's just really well done. And again, it's that basic, like, tee up home run of the grits. Regular. Instant grits? No self-respecting Southerner uses instant grits. I take pride in my grits. So, Mr. Tipton. How could it take you five minutes to cook your grits when it takes the entire grit-eating world 20 minutes? I don't know. I'm a fast cook, I guess. I'm sorry. I was all the way over here. I couldn't hear you. Did you say you're a fast cook? That's it? Are we to believe that boiling water soaks into a grit faster in your kitchen than on any place on the face of the earth? I don't know. Well, perhaps the laws of physics cease to exist on your stove. Were these magic grits? The grits. That's when we know we're getting into it. I love how he says grit with a a singular one. That is not in any way how anyone would. (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. When Southerners watch this, they're like, I can't believe he's saying grit. I have never even seen a grit. If a grit is depicted in this film, I did not clock it. It, it is. It's, well, of it's course it is, right? Because it's porridge. the same. It, it like, looks like porridge. It's just, it's grizzly to me. I like grits. Ugh. It Grit almost is like, a, grits are like an onomatopoeia in a way, because that's what it tastes right. like when you're eating them to me. Like they're gritty and grizzly. Uh, 
personally. I need the grits defenders to write in <laughs> and let me know why the fuck you like grits. But uh, yeah. But we'll see. It takes that guy like two minutes to cook a grit. Cook a grit. Rachel loves grits. Obsessed with them. Crazy. These are the sacrifices we make. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, but it's great to see. And Pesci is right there to, again, like just totally knock it out of the park. Again, like I don't know who else could have played this role. No. I, he's, I mean, he's a, he's, he's basically playing himself <laughs> or like a, a, I feel like a toned down version of himself, but like, he's just, he's just, no one can be a short King like him and wear that leather suit like him. It's true. It's true. When he does a flying jump at that man's face, just hurls his whole tiny body up at that man's jaw. <laughs> oh, no yeah, one else could do that. <laughs> that amazing running gag. See here, this is another running gag that's set up and paid off perfectly is the groundhog day. Um, the guy keeps coming up to him saying like, hey, you know, I have 200 bucks. Let's fight. And he finally has it and he gets knocked out right away. <laughs> it's the best. It's great. Nothing better in a comedy from this period than a guy getting punched out. <laughs> With that, like that sound effect that it's like no, nothing has no punch has ever made that sound ever. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think we should absolutely mention your king. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Herman Munster himself, the amazing, in one of his final roles. What a great, like, you know, for somebody who made his career doing such a broad character, this, like, completely dry, perfectly done Southern judge, again, like, exactly what he needs to do, exactly when he needs to do it. Just amazing stuff. And he bounces off of uh, Vinny and, and Mona Lisa perfectly. And then when he comes around, then it turns out that the, the Vincent Callow stuff was like, whatever. It's just great. It's just amazing. Well, I'm not about to revamp the entire judicial process just because you find yourself in the unique position of defending clients who say they didn't do it. No. Next words out of your mouth are either going to be guilty or not guilty. I don't want to hear commentary, argument, or opinion. If I hear anything other than guilty or not guilty, you'll be in contempt. I don't even want to hear you clear your throat. I hope I've been clear. Now, how do your clients plead? He is so good. He's he has such an amazing accent. I don't know. I, I presume that's not how Fred Gwynn speaks, but his his accent is so spot on for for that deep deep South area. And I know I said this last week, but my in law said he is the most accurate judge they've ever seen. Sure. As people who work with Southern judges a lot, they they are like that is exactly how they are, which is <laughs> hilarious to me. Which means they're probably particular about clothing and respect and et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh, he's just, yeah, he's so amazing. And he brings only an actor of his caliber and insane talent could bring nuance to this character in the way he does. I love these little moments that he brings. Like once we're deep in the movie, we're deep in the trial. I love when he is like, especially when Mona Lisa comes up when he's like, well, I want I want to hear this. Like he's genuinely impressed by her. And he kind of, he's kind of shy and flirty too to her when he's like, thank you, miss. Like he's kind of soft and, and, and he's also like, 
the, the, the different places he goes to with, with Vinny. Like, Fred Gwynn just brings so much um, charm and nuance and little moments that just fly off the screen because he is so talented. Right. And reality. Yes. It's so Like, real. that's important is that it's like, you know, again, for such like a campy performer earlier in his career, this is like a very kind of, you know, real character. It's the best. And it helps so much because Vinny and especially Mona Lisa are so outrageous as characters. Uh, and that's supposed to be kind of the world we're in. But, you know, they're fish out of water. But, yeah, he, he plays the the straight man so so perfectly, really. I love the part when I read that this was actually an accident when Pesci swings his hands around and knocks over his uh, chess set apparently that was an accident and if you look for a split second at the end of the initial shot you can see pesci smile as he's like and i think it's because he cracked and so then i think they added the pickup shots of them incorporating it into the scene um but i love how fred gwen you just see he does not break he just is straight in that in that the whole that's time that's amazing i have he's to go so back good. and look at that it's a good little moment um it just seems like it's just he's great he's great what else do we have? Mackenzie, any stray notes? Yeah, I was about to say, like, it's it's weird. This movie's pretty straightforward because it really is just about those those performances. And there's other people in this movie, but they don't really matter as much as those those three performances are really the powerhouses that just kind of make this movie great. And there's yeah. not much to say outside of that. Like, it's, it's just a fun movie. It's just super fun to watch. Yeah, you know, one of my bigger notes, you know, you know, my number one was about that kind of setups and payoffs all over the place. Number three was Fred Gwynn. Mwah. And the other one is that this is another great week for really on the nose cinema. You know what I mean? Jerry yeah. Maguire also very on the nose. Uh, and this one but is just, bad. you know, I'm going to call my my fish out of water uncle. He's going to come down and make a fool of himself for 20 minutes and then he's going to be amazing. That's all it needs to be. You know, it's it's entertaining. It's fun. It's great. I miss a studio comedy, man. Ugh. Yeah, you know, it's just something that those things are eight episodes on FX now. Or they're or they're like intentionally shitty made Netflix movies. <laughs> like that is the closest we like Kissing Booth is the closest we have to studio comedies nowadays. Um man. Well, in terms of other random stray notes, I cannot believe how if I had a woman like Mona Lisa Vito, I would not be ignoring her as much as <laughs> Vinny is I every time he is mean to her I want to walk in the, the TV and slap him in the little face <laughs> I probably have a good two feet on Joe Pesci I could do it I do think him for some reason doing a magic a card trick in the middle of the movie is so funny like was Joe Pesci just practicing <laughs> up close hand magic and was like I gotta do this in the movie <laughs> you think I'm funny funny like a magician uh and yeah, I didn't. I honestly didn't take a lot of notes. Again, it's a movie you just you watch, you chill. Uh, I thought that the, I mean, the, as I said, the my most of my notes are just how good the trial is, and that moment of the chef, the sheriff coming in with the final evidence, the con- confirmation of the car and the the murder weapon. It's just I, you know, you got to get out of your seat and cheer. It's just so fun. It's so good. Um, by any chance. Have you ever heard, this is a complete non sequitur. Thank you. I'm glad. I like that. Have you ever heard the album Vincent LaGuardia Gambini Sings Just For You by Joe Pesci? No. It's Excuse a whole me? album. I've never heard it myself. It is Pulling an entire album 
I don't think it's on Spotify, but check it out because if it is, then we have no excuse. It is. It is on Spotify. Oh my God. This is huge. So this is, this is a whole album of lounge songs and bits as if Vinny is doing a big band lounge set, I think. It's kind of Italian. I'm playing the first song, which is called Yo Cousin Vinny. And it starts with like an Italian flair and now it's going into sort of a Spanish samba vibe. Every time I get the urge to visit my hometown, I'm sure that all my cousins will try to track me down. My heart says go, my head says no, it's best to stay away. But if I appear, I'm sure to hear all those jerk-offs say, Hey, cousin Vinny, your cousin Vinny, is there anything that you could do for Oh, that, that sounds grim. I heard about three seconds of it. It sounds terrible. Um, I mean, that's that's like that's like the only funny, weird thing I've got. Everything else in my notes are just quotes. You know what I mean? What uh, are the quotes? Two, are two Utes. Two Utes, a classic. Mm-hmm. Everything that guy just said is bullshit, <laughs> which I love and I use a lot in my personal life. I love every, every way that Vinny gets up on somebody. Let me rephrase that. Anytime Vinny gets a win in court is great. Like, you know, how many fingers am I holding up? And the judge purposely says, as Fred Gwynn's group, like purposely says, let the record show he's holding up two fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, them winning anyway. I do love that. I'm done with this guy. I don't need this guy no more. <laughs> like him just throwing <laughs> them away like trash when he's done with them. So good. Oh, um, amazing. And yeah, you know, a great, great pedigree here. The director of Clue and the Whole Nine Yards, but also the infamous Steve Martin, Sergeant Bilko. Anyway, the the point is, yes, it's on the nose, but it's a wonderful thing. It's a classic. You know what I mean? Um, and that's really my final thought on my cousin Vinny. To be honest, I'm at I'm at five stars. Not going anywhere. Rock solid. Shagadelic. No, wait. Is it? Yeah, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Has it been? Has it been that long? It's been a while since we've had a yeah, baby. Yeah. Mackenzie, any any kind of stragglers, and then your your final score. Yeah, no no straggles. I think I said everything. I I love this movie. I you know there's I don't even know like there's there's a couple issues I have with it that just kind of don't ruin the movie for me. Last time I was at uh, four stars. I'm considering staying there, but might waffle to four point five. It's just a solid movie. So I'll, I'll stay at a shagadelic right now. Uh, but maybe a, a shagadelic baby, yeah, uh, on the next watch. Cause very. It's movies. <laughs> very. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, much like I said last week, it's a, that's a movie I think that will grow and I will eventually stop giving a shit about the random nitpicks I have and give it five stars. My cousin Vinny could easily become that as well. So who knows one day. Too true. Too true. Too true. Okay, so without any further ado, it's time to do our little show. Uh, first, we're going to start with a segment called I Love, I love gold. gold. Yes. We're doing it. I Love Gold. I do, baby, especially when it's in Marissa Tomei's hands. That's right. So the most notable award won by my cousin Vinny was the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress, which at the time, as Mackenzie mentioned earlier, very controversially went to Marissa Tomei. 
Let's pull up. Let's see. I was about to say, who who did she beat that like pissed everybody off? I don't understand I, this because I haven't seen these movies. I have to be honest with everybody. The thing okay. is, I just, I feel like, I mean, like, again, I'm not going to claim to have been there for this controversy, but I feel like it's maybe, you know, because it's a comedic role or whatever. But, like, being that funny and that good and that talented also takes as much effort as a dramatic role. And so, and I love that. Speaking of last week, another, as I said, another iconic comedic fun layered supporting actor role like we never get wins like this anymore with like like cuba right. and like and like and like marissa and they're both incredible roles just great wins just awesome yeah. wins i wish we had more of that i mean there is immediate precedent right like ghost isn't a funny movie but it's a genre movie right because it's about a mm. sexy ghost Whoopi goldberg <laughs> won best supporting actress there the next year for tara gilliam's the fisher king mercedes rule who's a, a legend but um Again, not a movie that I would ever consider an Oscar movie. Um, mm. Now, in 1992, Marissa Tomei won over Judy Davis for Husbands and Wives, Joan Plowright for Enchanted April, Vanessa Redgrave, there you go, for Howard's End, mm. and Miranda Richardson for Damage. Uh, but I haven't seen any of those movies, and I don't know any of those women's work like I know Mona Lisa Vito and My Cousin Vinny. Uh, which again, like I don't know, even it's then feels the like more an instant classic. Culturally relevant film. I, f- I have literally never heard of any of those movies, and not that they're bad. I, I would love to watch them at some point, but like, yeah, I don't know. I think that my cousin Vinny stands the test of time, and, and so does Marissa Tomei. We're gonna have to do a uh, mini series about the actresses of 1992 and get to the bottom <laughs> of this once and for all. Get to the bottom, and we pick who we think should have won. Exactly. Uh, also, some other awards, you know, Marissa Tomei won Best Breakthrough Performance at the MTV Movie Awards. That's an element here. It is a big breakthrough performance also. So it's got all these all these other narratives coming into it besides, like, perfectly written, perfectly executed, and it's a breakthrough, and it's mm-hmm. in a studio comedy. Uh, and it's as great a performance as you'd see from most dramatic roles. Um, the other big one, oh, the Chicago... Film Critics Association Awards gave her most promising actress. And I think she was in Chaplin the same year. So nice. I forgot that Marissa Tomei was even in Chaplin. Um, but there she is. <laughs> Richard Attenborough directed Chaplin. Isn't that insane? I don't know anything about this movie. You know who plays Chaplin? I could never guess. Probably Iron Man. Robert Downey Jr. plays Chaplin. It's from 1992. What? Yeah, movie's crazy. Is it good? I enjoy it. I think it's cool. All right. Okay. Anyway, that was gold. We love gold. It's time to move on to the Alan Parsons Project. Again, if this is your first week listening, this is the segment that ties our film to the Austin Powers trilogy. Uh, the cinematographer Peter Deming, who gives us... Uh, let's see. I just see. love him. Sorry, I guess. Sorry. <laughs> he did like all the Lynch movies, right? And uh, the Scream movies? He is the DP on Austin Powers in Gold Member, as well as, again, Scream 2 and 3, mm-hmm. and International Man of Mystery, Lost Highway, all yes. sorts of stuff. All sorts of I, stuff. He's my most watched cinematographer on Letterboxd, because I watch things like this and also all of the David Lynch movies. Well, we can thank him when we get to the new mutants on this show. I'm <laughs> sure it'll be great. Look, he just pointed the camera, man. What can you say? Uh, also from the camera department, Scott Browner, who worked on Goldmember and Jurassic Park 3, as well as a bunch of episodes of Mad Men, 
So just saying. And uh, a bunch of other stuff. Scream 2 camera operator. How do you like that? Hey, a lot of scream. A lot of scream this week. The assistant, the, the additional first assistant director on My Cousin Vinny was also the first assistant editor on Austin Powers International Man of Mystery, Steve Schoenberg, who also worked on Grumpy Old Men. Again, deeply in wheelhouse. <laughs> Willie Nelson, period. Gary Burrett from Editorial gives us uh, Jurassic Park, I, Robot. I did not murder him. And Minority Report, which is, uh, dares to ask the question, what if the Will Smith I, Robot was good? Uh, from the costume department, Ann Miller, who gives us my most anticipated current episode, Spider-Man 2. Ooh. How do you like that? Oh. So he talked about Gary already. Also from the camera department, Rick West, who gave us the Terminator. This is his big return to Austin Danger podcast. He was also the chief lighting technician on 169 episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Holy shit. I've probably Boom. seen more than that, which is disgusting. Robert Adams, who uh, works as a key grip on many projects, including Austin Powers and Goldmember and Finch. <laughs> Finch links, baby. I did not realize your favorite movie ever. The wow. biggest streaming hit of 2021. A decent movie I've spun into the next coming of Christ. Okay, two more. Robert K. Feldman, who worked on The Core repo man and men in black three all in the Whoa. camera and electrical departments as well as our two films and finally jerry lee who uh is a post-production accountant and has worked on many movies in the accounting department including her and sicario by denny dennis villanueva rather excuse me and john carter one of the great films of all time the Whoa. unappreciated gem love that and with that you know, I like to give teases of stuff that's on the wheel, so I hope it wasn't too much. But uh, that was the Alan Parsons project. And there you are. You're over there. Yes, we have won you over there. Our classic Randy Roundtable correspondent, Ty, our king. The subject line for this email is Randy Roundtable found dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to assume all three of us were on the same page going into My Cousin Vinny. That's right. So let's see what Ty has to say. Do I make you horny, baby? Do I? Do I make you randy? This just in, this just in breaking news. The Randy Roundtable was found dead tonight. The culprit, <laughs> Marissa Tomei in My Cousin Vinny. I am currently... Just getting to my house, driving home at 12.40 a.m. from D.C. League of Super Pets. Almost crashed my car Jesus. when I heard what this next movie, the next movie that was announced. Marissa Tomei, my gosh. What a gorgeous performance yeah. from, from the most gorgeous woman of all time, possibly. Uh, mm. I cannot say enough about how amazing she is, but she has shattered the Randy round table. It is in splinters. There is, it is just sawdust. There is nothing left of the Randy <laughs> round table. It is dead. The culprit Marissa Tomei, the defense might be wrong, but my God, Marissa Tomei is so, so, so right. 
<laughs> the Randy Roundtable is actually Thai, I think. Oh, my God. That's, That's crazy. That's so good. Thank you for that voicemail. I'm so glad you feel the same. Yeah, I mean, man, between Lucy Liu and Marissa Tomei, a lot of gorgeous women on this show lately. It's true. It's true. And Regina King last week. Oh, my God. Regina. Oh, Come shit. on. Yeah, good Lord. We're the hot lady podcast over here. It's true. It's true. I also appreciate Ty's commitment to the bit of going to see DC League of Super Pets oh until God. until one in the morning, which what? is what I used to do in college. I would I would, you know, go into I would work as like the usher or whatever at the movies until we closed. And then I would go into a movie until 1 a.m. because I was a miscreant oh and had no life. Why would they, that's a kid's movie? Why is there a showing so late at night? Well, you know, it's showing you have to show it. That's so wild. The agreement with the studio. David Zaslav may kill 70% of jobs at HBO Max, but he'll be damned if you skip a 10 p.m. Super Pets showing. <laughs> well, that was the only you over there on that note. So if you would like to be over there, uh, you can send us a voicemail or a letter, anything you want. We'll share it on the show. AustinDangerPodcast at gmail.com. And you may want to include your thoughts, your feelings on whatever film we're watching next week, which we're about to find out. That's right. As we roll out the big wheel, it's Mackenzie's turn to spin. I just yes. want to add, hey, David, I heard you're staffing up on unscripted content. What if you brought back dinner and a movie and it was us? Just a Dude, thought. Dinner and a movie, dinner and a movie. I would love to. I would love to. What if? I, if anyone doesn't know, I love cooking. I have an Instagram for it. Please, I would let me cook meals themed to movies. I love getting paid to stand around. I'm actually planning something about like a food themed movie thing. Uh, stay, stay tuned. <laughs> Maybe I'll announce it. Ooh. But for now, I have my hand on a big old wheel. Here we go. Here we go. Oh let's my go, god. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I, I, I hate this part. I hate this part. An interesting turn. <laughs> this is a film that I was really into as a kid. And the cast of it is absolutely insane. I don't think I've ever known a cast to be more Kev Wheelhouse. Maybe in my life. Victor Garber, Kathy Bates, Alan Cumming, Christian Chenoweth, Audra McDonald. 1999's remake of Annie. Made for television, musical, comedy, drama from the wonderful world of Disney. Wait a minute. Now, wait, wait one goddamn minute. Is this the one with Kathy? Is Kathy Bates Miss Hannigan? Kathy Bates is Miss Hannigan. Absolutely. Is there a version that was Rosie O'Donnell as Miss Hannigan that I'm forgetting about? Am I crazy right now? Let me Google. Um, I think she was in a stage production, but I don't think hers was filmed. That's crazy if true. Because the original Miss Hannigan, right, is the iconic, incredible Carol Burnett. Yes, of course. And then, yeah, Kathy Bates is... Oh, my God. Didn't Cameron Diaz play Miss Hannigan, like, in that weird new one that Jamie Foxx did? Yep. I believe so. In the... Well... Yeah. Anyway, look. Kathy Bates is Miss Hannigan now, baby. She wants this floor as sparkling as the Chrysler Building, whatever that line is. I have never seen this one, although I grew up on the original with Albert Finney as... And Carol Burnett on VHS. Mm -hmm. I do not know why I had it, but I watched it all the time. So this is very exciting. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it's a deep cut because you and I are both 
deep deeper musical theater people than I think people realize. Oh yeah. And, so I'm sh- and I mean, I mean, cabaret happened, but I'm I'm so shocked we haven't gotten more musicals on here yet. I know, and it's it, again we're talking about '90s studio stuff. This is stretching the boundary of that of that made format, for TV, yeah. But also, it's an Eisner years. It's like the Eisner decline Disney product. So it'll be interesting to look at from that perspective. I was obsessed with this as a kid, like genuinely loved this version. I just watched it on TV all the time. The DVD cover, the DVD cover is as generic as it gets. You got this like, again, like totally keyed out Photoshop 1999. Kathy Bates, like. Oh, that VHS cover is burned into my brain. Kathy has her arms crossed like at her bust. Okay. And then, and then Victor Garber is holding Annie, whose legs are photoshopped to look like Mrs. Hannigan has looped them through. But that's not what happened. That's not the photo at all. <laughs> this is fucked up. I'm so sorry. God, no. This version of Hard Knock Life was like everything to me. I mean, Kristen Chenoweth and Alan Cumming as as Rooster and Lily Saint Lily Saint Regis. Yeah, I can't wait Great for that. That casting, is insane casting. That is going to be the highlight of this for me already. I can already tell. So, very Easy exciting. Street? You kidding me? Yeah, I'm excited. Although, you know, Tim Curry, it's a lot. It's a lot. Tim Curry, I mean, you know, I yeah, Tim Curry's my king. Yeah, no, this VHS, I had the like the those the, the VHS case for this was like the puffy kind that has that thick like plastic oh, yeah. around the edge that you could cut your skin with uh because it was so sharp and it was that kind of puffy inside that was the type of vhs i had for my annie 1999 film hell yeah oh that's amazing and and like and if you thought this was riveting come back next monday and we're gonna do this for a whole hour i you know what i thought chairman of the board might have been a niche film this might be a more niche film than chairman of the board if i'm being honest well, could you believe, uh, just like met most of the Disney made-for-TV movies from that period and all time, it's available on Disney+. Plus. You could just go and watch it. I, I accidentally opened it while we were talking about it. So, I, Oh, my God. I, <sighs> Is the Matthew Broderick music band on Disney+. Plus? I am sorry. I am just saying that Rob Marshall directed this. Yeah, very odd, right? Rob Marshall is quite possibly my favorite movie musical director ever because of Chicago and nine though it has its problems I think looks gorgeous into the woods again has its issues but looks gorgeous he that man knows how to film a musical and when I was a kid I don't think it registered with me because who and kids don't care about directors uh wow oh my god I I have not watched this maybe since I was like seven I'm so excited to see this again so we are watching Annie, 1999, directed by Rob Marshall, apparently, next week. So if you have feelings about that, you can email us at austindangerpodcast at gmail.com. Am I the only one that remembers this movie? Let me know. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Let's compare. Let's contrast. Let's, let's do, see what let's, happens. Let's talk about this like it's the last time we'll ever talk about Annie. So come join us next week. But until then, from Mackenzie, this is Kev. Awesome Danger Podcast. Peace. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Austin Danger Pod. This episode was mixed and edited by me, Mackenzie. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.